The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were looking at your phone while driving, let me say it again. Seriously, put down your phone. That is so unsafe. If you didn't do stuff like use your phone while driving, you could save money with Progressive Snapshot. But saving or not, just put it down. And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't looking at your phone, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. Stock in the Box. I am Matt Verderam. We have a great show for you today. We're starting to understand which teams are good and which ones are already thinking about the draft. And we're going to spend the next hour going over each and every week three contests with my esteemed colleague, Josh Hill. The Bucks won, so I'm happy. I'm ready to roll. Week three, let's do it. <laughs> well, we are going to go over all the main talking points, including odds, matchups, and of course, who wins. And let's get it off on, well, the right or the wrong foot, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> Thursday night football, we always go in order of the, the days of the games, and we have the Rams and the 49ers in Santa Clara. The Rams are actually favored in this game by two and a half points. Of course, they come into the game one and one, the Niners 0 oh and 2. And I'm curious to see if the Rams can get back on track because after they demolished Indianapolis in week one, there's kind of this thought that, hey, maybe the Rams are going to be that team this year with Sean McVay, first time head coach. And then they go and play a decent game at home, but not good enough to beat Washington. They fall 27-20. to 20. Jared Goff threw a tough pick at the end of the game. Uh, on the plus side, Todd Gurley looked really good, 88 rushing yards and a touchdown. So I guess, Josh, just to lead it off, are the Rams more of the Week 1 team or are they the Week 2 team? I don't think we've really figured out what the Rams are at this point. Like, I really hate when people jump in with Week 1 hot takes. about oh, Because remember a couple of years ago, maybe it was last year, with the 49ers, they shut out the Rams on Monday night football in the first week of the season. And that, that ended real well for Chip Kelly and the crew. <laughs> that ended in unemployment for Chip Kelly and the crew. Um, but, yeah, the Rams, the first week, they were going up against the Colts. I don't know how you can really judge that. Uh, not to dog in the uh, For those who aren't familiar, rookie receiver at Eastern Washington, he's played really well. So I think the Rams, look, offensively, they're better than some people think, especially if Gurley can get back to his rookie form. And defensively, they can play. Uh, Wade Phillips is only going to make that team better and better as the year goes on. Aaron Donald, as he knocks the mm. rust off from his holdout. I expect the Rams to play well. And, 
Now, th- this week they go to play the 49ers. And, you know, it's easy to say, oh, the 49ers, they stink. They went 2-14 last year. They're 0-2 this year. The 49ers almost beat the Seahawks in Seattle on Sunday. And the Seahawks have their problems. We'll get to them later. But that's a good team in a very tough place to play. And the 49ers were winning that game with 10 minutes to go. The defense is something that I really like about San Francisco, too. You know, Reuben Foster going down in the first week really kind of hurt, but he looked like he was going to start fitting in really nicely there. And there's some pieces to really like about what San Francisco has going on on defense. And, you know, those, those NFC West games are always kind of really weird. Seattle, as good as they are, always seem to get played really close by teams that maybe aren't up to their level. And I, I'm intrigued by the Rams and the 49ers. It, it seems on the surface to be like one of those Thursday night games, like, oh, man, what else is on TV? You know, nobody's going to watch that. It, it's, it's a sneaky, interesting game with Jared Goff over in Los Angeles, and then you've got the defense in San Francisco. Brian Hoyer is a decent quarterback. I mean, he helped the Browns win for a decent portion of that season that he was there. So I'm, I'm intrigued. I don't think it's going to be the best game of the week. I think that the Rams are going to win. And I think that that's going to be another stepping stone for McVeigh and all these people in, in Los Angeles who really want to see this team turn a corner. I don't think they've turned it yet, but it's baby steps. They're walking before they run. Yeah, I've wrestled with this game a lot. If the game was in L.A., I would certainly pick the Rams. Even though, to be fair, the 49ers beat them both times last season. Mm. Um, of course, different teams, different coaching staff, so on and so forth. But I'm with you. I'm going to take the Rams. Uh, I think the Rams are going to win a tight game. Brian Hoyer – He's got to get them in the end zone here at some point in San Francisco. The 49ers don't have a touchdown yet this season. Uh, they, have, they have four field goals. And against Seattle, which granted I think is the best defense in football, Hoyer went 15-27 for 99 yards and a pick. Uh, QBR of 7.8, which I'm not a big QBR guy, but when you're in single digits, that's bad news. Uh, C.J. Beathard, who they drafted in the mid-rounds out of Iowa, he looked really good in the preseason. I'm not saying that Beathard should be playing. I don't think he should be, but – you know, if the 49ers continue to struggle offensively, maybe Kyle Shanahan looks for a spark. So keep that in mind. But I, I agree with Josh. I think the, uh, I think the Rams are going to win this game, maybe by you know, a touchdown or so. Uh, and, then, and then on Sunday, we start early. Baltimore, Jacksonville, 9.30 in the a.m. Eastern time. And the Ravens are favored by four in this game, which obviously is a neutral site game, uh, technically a home game. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Jacksonville. And this is interesting because last year the Ravens started 2-0. They went to Jacksonville proper, actually the state of Florida, and went out and beat Jacksonville to get to 3-0. And then the rest of the year finished 5-8. and Kind of fell apart as the year went on. I think this is going to be history repeating itself in a lot of ways, uh, which we'll get into here in a second. But uh, I think the Ravens are the better team. They have a very good defense. Jacksonville is not built to deal with a good defense. Your thoughts on the game? I think that the Ravens are a joke. <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of the Ravens. For some reason, everybody seems to get on them every single year. But they play in the AFC North. It's such a tough division. Jim, or John Harbaugh is such a great coach. Joe Flacco's elite, blah, blah, blah. Look. They better be very, very grateful that the Bengals are going to be as bad as they are this year, because I just nothing on the nothing on the Ravens excites me. What offense? What offensive weapons do they have? The defense is what still living in two thousand and one with Ray Lewis and everybody. Do they think Ed Reed's coming out somewhere? You know, he could. He might be one of the better defensive players because that defense is not something that really strikes fear in you. 
And the Jaguars, look, I like I like Jacksonville's defense a lot. I said it in the offseason. I died on the hill that they were going to be a top unit. And You're so, living on that hill currently. Oh, oh yeah, big time. <laughs> and so far, so good. You know, again, it's with the asterisk that Blake Bortles is the guy who's offering you support. And anytime Blake Bortles is giving you run support, it's not coming. It's not good. Um, actually, I'll, here, I'll start with that and then circle back to Baltimore. I, I think if you're Doug Marone here, what point does Chad Henney get in the game? I, I'm not saying Chad Henney's a good quarterback. I'm not even saying Chad Henney's going to win you a lot of games because I don't think he's going to. But Jacksonville's defense, as you point out before the year, and you were right, like it's a good defense. It, they lead the league in sacks. Now, granted, they had 10 week one, so you know, factor that in if you will. But still, who cares? They had 10. Uh, they have 11 on the year. Jacksonville can play defense, and Leonard Fournette is the real deal. At least it looks that way a couple weeks into the year. He runs with power. He's got good balance. I like a lot of what's going on in Jacksonville. Now, the loss of Allen Robinson for the year is a killer. But Blake Bortles, if it wasn't for rookie quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks, he is the worst quarterback in the NFL. 56% of his passes so far completed. It's on what? And he's the king of garbage time. There are so <laughs> many games where he is under 50% and he's mm-hmm. thrown a pick and he's, you know, it's a pick six and he's fumbled. And then when they're down by 30, mostly because of the way he played, he'll go out and run for 200 yards in the fourth quarter and you look at the game and go, well, geez, no, Bortles wasn't bad. He's the ultimate example of a box score warrior. Watch the game. He can't play. And to circle back on Baltimore, we differ a little bit. I think Baltimore's defense is really good. Uh, I think they're going to they're gonna help that team stay in the race here for the playoffs. I don't think they're going to beat out Pittsburgh in the north. Uh, Pittsburgh's a more complete team. But my problem with, with Baltimore is two things. Look, they have 10 turnovers for so far this year, which is great. Uh, tops easily in the league. The problem is you don't play Cincinnati and Cleveland every week, and you're not going to force five turnovers every week. They actually might this week, though. That actually might happen again. They might force 10 this week. The problem is when you start to play good teams, you're not forcing five turnovers. Mm-hmm. You're forcing you know, one, maybe two, which is great, but it's not five. And Baltimore, even with five turnovers in these games, can't score. Mm-hmm. They scored 44 points in two games, and they have 10 takeaways in the games. It's it's unwatchable offensively. Joe Flacco's thrown for 338 yards in two games. Alex Smith threw for 368 yards against New England. So, I mean, I, I just think Baltimore's better. I think I'm going to take Baltimore to win the game. Uh, I just think at the end of the day, the Ravens' offense is going to hold that team back because the, the defense, I think, is, is absolutely playoff caliber. I don't know if the offense is. I'm going with Baltimore, too, just because Blake, as long as Blake Bortles is the quarterback – in Jacksonville, I have no faith that it's going to. Try. I mean, he might accidentally win a couple of games here and there, but the defense is going to win in spite of Blake Bortles being there. So I've got the Ravens winning, and I also have the British maybe starting the Revolutionary War because that's what we, you know, they want they want to go back to that because that's what we sent over there. I got to say, I might side with the British. <laughs> um, going over to actually to what should be a very interesting game, the NFC East, the Giants at the Eagles in Week 3. There's not a line on this game yet because the Giants haven't played as we're recording this on a Monday afternoon. Uh, Giants right now 0-1 going to host Detroit on Monday night. And Philadelphia coming off of a hard-fought, tough loss in Kansas City. So 1-1 one one on the season for them. I find this game fascinating. Uh, if, the, if the Giants lose tonight, and apologies to people who you know, hear this on Tuesday or Wednesday and know the result, but... If the Giants lose tonight, this game is an absolute full-on must-win. Uh, you start 0-2, you have an 11% chance of making the playoffs. If you start 0-3, you basically have no chance. Uh, the biggest problem I see in this game for the Giants is their offensive line. They cannot block. And against the Eagles, that is a major problem. 
Yeah, the offensive line is a problem for the Giants. But my question, too, is run defense. What's going to go on with the Eagles and the running game and the Giants and that run defense? Because you saw week one, Ezekiel Elliott had a pretty good game against the Giants. And the Eagles, I think the Eagles should have run. Or, you know, again, this is why box scores are so really uh, inaccurate in a lot of ways in terms of telling the story of the game. You look at the box score in, in Philadelphia, and uh, rather in Kansas City, and Philly rushed for 107 yards on 17 carries. Which you say, well, that's you know, that's great. It's six point three yards in attempt. Carson Wentz led them in rushing with with fifty five yards rushing. Oh. Okay, well, Garrett Blunt, who you mentioned, did not have one carry in the game. Darren Sproles had ten for forty eight yards, which again, not bad. But his twelve yard carry, which was his longest one of the day, was at the end of the first half, and the Chiefs were in prevent. So, Philly did not run the ball well at all in that game. They did nothing of any consequence. Uh, and you, you say to yourself, that was a close game throughout most of it, throughout the first fifty minutes or so. The Eagles threw the ball 46 times and ran the ball 17 times. That is ridiculous. And if they play like that against the Giants, they're in trouble because while the Giants' offensive line is a dumpster fire, Mm -hmm. the Eagles' offensive line gave up six sacks against the Chiefs team that was basically rushing three and four the entire afternoon. So there are real problems on both sides. The Giants have a very good defensive line. Uh, but, you know, Philadelphia is going to have to get – and I agree with you. They're going to have to run the ball some, even against Snacks Harrison and, and Vernon and Pierre mm-hmm. Paul. You've got to slow down that pass rush. Yeah. If they can't do that, they're in trouble. I think it's a low-scoring game. I don't think Philly's going to score a ton against the Giants. I think the Giants are going to get sacked 10 times in that game. That's not an exaggeration. I really think – I think Manning's going to get sacked 10 times. So I think it comes down to who turns the ball over. I'm taking the Eagles in the game because I think Manning's going to turn the ball over. Although Wentz, it should be noted – uh, he throws a lot of passes mm-hmm. that could get picked. He got picked once in Kansas City. Uh, I don't believe he got picked at all against the Redskins. I'd have to go back and look. But he, he throws a lot of passes that are up for grabs. And that is that is of concern. But I'm, I'm taking the Eagles at home in the game. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Eagles as well. Uh, I, one thing, factor that is yet to be seen is Odell Beckham and how he moves in here. Because I think one thing that we really don't appreciate is how – Good he has been to Eli Manning's late career revival, I guess you could say. Like, Eli Manning, if he doesn't have Odell Beckham, like we saw week one, he didn't have Odell Beckham. It was not good. So, yeah, Eli Manning and the the Giants, it's not not what I thought it was going to be. The the offense has weapons, but it's just, I don't know what's going on with the offensive play calling. And Philadelphia, I agree with you, low-scoring game, but I think they come out with the win, so... Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And by the way, Wentz has thrown two picks this year. I did also throw one in Washington in the victory. So, mm. uh, you know, but I think whoever turns the ball over less in that game, and typically in the NFL, that's how it works anyway, but I really think in that game that's going to be the key. Who has better ball security? Now we go to a game that I don't know if ball security is going to matter all that much. <laughs> Houston at New England. New England favored by 13 points. Biggest line of the game. And by the, or biggest line of the day, rather. Uh, and I think... It should be noted. Seattle was favored by 13 at home against the Niners. That tells you what Vegas thinks of Houston. And it tells you what they think of the Pats as well. But, but Houston, a 13-point <laughs> underdog on the road. Not, you know, we, have, we prepare for this broadcast every week. We have notes. My notes for this game uh, about as succinct as possible. Deshaun Watson looked bad against Cincinnati. Didn't play well. And there was a lot of blowback on Twitter. You know, I, I mentioned that, and there were some people saying, well, he won the game. Well, well he didn't win the game. Mm-hmm. He, had, he had one terrific run 
that was ultimately, yes, the deciding touchdown, but the defense won that game. And Andy Dalton really won that game for, for Houston. Uh, I don't see a way the Texans win this game, uh, but I, I'll, I'll cede the floor to you if you have some game plan the Texans can uh, go into Foxborough and somehow come out 2-1 with. There is no game plan in which the Houston Texans go to Foxborough and come out with a win outside of, you know, Tom Brady doesn't play. You know, Tom Brady slips in the shower before the game breaks his arm. And even, I, I don't think even then Garoppolo yeah, would probably win the game. Uh, yeah, I think the line only lowers from 13-6 to six at that point. So, yeah, the Deshaun Watson, he's going to be all right. I think it's a little bit early to decide whether he's going to be a bust, whether he's going to be the guy that they want. I don't think that his first Thursday night start is an indicator of what his career holds five years down the road. I do agree with you, though, that he didn't win that game. How fitting was that? I forget who said it on Twitter, but I saw somebody say how fitting it was that. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. The, uh, the Bengals, the last gasp that they had, ends with an offensive lineman with the ball in his hands. Like, that, that, that's the Bengals' offense in a nutshell. Andy Dalton won that game for Houston. Y- you can be positive about the defense. I think it's going to go up there and maybe have a bit of a good start, but it's not going to last. Not against New England. And not Bill Belichick against O'Brien. Not happening. I, I, I don't see any way Houston goes in and wins this game. Mm-hmm. Watson against Cincinnati was 15-24 for a buck 25. Uh, was sacked three times. But I'm not trying to, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not trying to knock Watson. I think the kid's got a, a good future ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a complex offense, and they stink around him. They can't block. Okay, Dwayne Brown, their, their stud left tackle, still holding out. The other four guys in that line are road cones. They, they can't play. Um, you look at the, you know, the game against Cincinnati, and other than Watson, who led all rushers in the game with 67 yards, nobody else could do anything. Lamar Miller had 61 yards on 3.4 yards of carry. Deonta Foreman... 40 yards, 3.3 yards a carry. Nothing got done. And against New England, Bill Belichick is going to take away your best option. So DeAndre Hopkins is not having a big game here. And without him, what are you left with? Um, I, don't, I don't only think New England's going to win this game. I, I think they're going to cover. I think this game could be you know, 27-3. to Don't forget last year. These teams played week three. It was a Thursday night. Mm. And Jacoby Brissett started for New England, and New England beat the daylight out of Houston, <laughs> twenty-seven to nothing. So this not, Jacoby Brissett's not walking through that door Mm-mm. in Foxborough. It's going to be Brady. And while I think the defense in Houston is good, although the loss of Kevin Johnson, the loss of Brian Cushing not mm. helping, I, I I don't see any way Houston comes out of here with a victory. No, I've, I've got New England all the way. It's unless something crazy happens. Which, you know, will bail out a lot of other teams in the AFC. But it's, it's, it's just not going to happen. By the way, it should be mentioned while we're doing this live and in, in color here, uh, the Jaguars have signed Ryan Nassib, uh, which you may be saying, <laughs> who's Ryan Nassib? He was a quarterback for Syracuse who was uh, quarterback Marone. there when Marone was yeah. the coach. And so uh, the, the tides Blake, are shifting. The, the Blake Bortles <laughs> experience uh, may be coming to an end for Ryan Nassib. Oh. And, and yes, I'm, I'm being somewhat facetious. Ryan Nassib's not starting anytime soon. But 
wouldn't that be something if some point down the line he <laughs> does get to start? Um, so, good game this week in Detroit. The Falcons at the Lions. The line has not come out yet again. The Lions playing on Monday night. Um, right before we went on the air here, Vic Beasley, the mm. NFL's leading sack artist last season, hurt his hamstring on Sunday night against the Packers in the win, and he's going to miss at least a month, uh, according to reports. So, question really is now, without Beasley... How does the pass defense hold up? We know the Falcons do have a very good secondary uh, with, with Alford and Trufant, but can they get the job done against what is going to be an explosive lines attack as it always is with Matt Stafford and company? This could be the game where Amir Abdullah has a bit of a breakout. I don't want to die on that hill or anything necessarily, but you know, a pass-catching running back who needs to start becoming a pass-catching running back in the NFL might have a decent game against this Falcons defense. Uh, I'm not going to say that it's going to be like what we saw on Sunday night against the Packers, but the Falcons, to me, seem like a team that is starting to figure it out. They're a team that they come out and have kind of a rough first game of the season. Everybody starts questioning Sarkeesian and his offense. Well, how's that going to look? Is Dan Quinn the Super Bowl hangover, blah, blah, blah. They looked fine against the Packers. A team that is a very, very, very good offense. Vic Beasley being out, I think that might hurt them a little bit. To me, this is all about, is Matthew Stafford worth the money? This is what you pay Matthew Stafford for. Maybe that's a little bit too much. I don't know. We're going to have to find out. But, you know, it's saying a lot because the Falcons went to the Super Bowl last year. They're a really great defense. But this is why you pay Matthew Stafford the amount of money that you paid him to have him win these games, even when there's no line, but people are generally going to pick the Falcons to win this game. Yeah, damn straight. Uh, you know, they, they paid Stafford more money than any NFL player's mm-hmm. ever been paid on a single contract. And yes, part of that is it's just the culture of the league right now. The NFL is, is rewarding quarterbacks with crazy money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, nobody's arguing that Matthew Stafford is the greatest NFL player of all time. Mm-hmm. I, don't th- I don't think he would argue that. So that being said, though, he has been very, very bad in his career against teams with winning records. Uh, five and 46, Okay. The Falcons, of course, we don't know if they're going to have a winning record at the end of the year yet, but I'm, I'm pretty confident they will. If, if Stafford is going to show that he was worth that money, as you just said, they have to win some games like mm-hmm. this. This is at home, okay? You beat up on the Cardinals, good on you. We'll see what they do against the Giants. This would be a feather in their cap to me if they're able to beat the Giants on the road. Giants are going to be a desperate team. But if you're the Lions... You got players on this team. I think it's an underrated roster. I don't think it's great. I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl. But the Lions have talent all over the field defensively. You got Ezekiel Ansah. You got Alodinata. You got Darius Slay. Okay? You got a good core of linebackers. And offensively, this is a team that invested a lot of money in the offensive line. TJ Lang, Ricky Wagner. I know Taylor Decker's not there right now. But this is a good football team with a good quarterback. And if you're going to put yourself in that conversation as teams that could make a run in January, you're not going to do it beating the Bears. You're not going to do it beating Carson Palmer and the Cardinals, who we are, by the way, if you're a Cardinals fan, <laughs> I, I would not look forward to that segment. I'm just going to be honest. Um, but I think the Lions have a chance in this game. But to me, they, they've got to go out and prove that they can beat the upper echelon teams in the NFL, something they have not done over the, over the course of Stafford's career. Yeah, I agree. It's a feather in the cap thing here. And think about this, too. The Packers just lost to the Falcons. If the Lions can beat the Falcons, now it's not a head-to-head tiebreaker, but you're starting to kind of build up a resume 
that at the end of the season, if you are in a tight race with the Packers, maybe this is the difference between that NFC South tiebreaker that gets you know factored into who wins the division, who gets the home field advantage, that kind of thing. So the Lions, it, they're paying Matthew Stafford a ton of money. Golden Tate's great. They have an explosive offense. The defense is manageable. Go for it. There's no reason why the Lions should just be like, yeah, you know, the Falcons, if we win, we win. If we don't, we don't. No, try to win the Super Bowl. This is a window that the Calvin Johnson window closed for a reason because he didn't believe in the Lions. He didn't think that they were going to win. The Barry Sanders window closed for the same reason. When are you going to buck this trend and just go for it? And this is a game where I think they can just go for it. And if they win, it's going to be impossible to say Matthew Stafford isn't a top quarterback in the NFL. It's going to be impossible to say the Lions aren't a serious contender for at least a deep run in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, the Lions, look, if there's ever a team that has to change the culture and the mindset mm-hmm. and the attitude, it is them. Uh, I apologize if I'm off on this, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm not. We'll check it as the show goes on. I'll, I'll revisit if I'm wrong. The Lions have won playoff win since 1957. That, that that's real yeah okay like and I, I don't care that well these players they weren't on the team for all those years I, well that's nice but the mindset from the fan base on that it's just it's a mindset of well if we make the playoffs that's a good year that's not a good year I mean yeah it's a good year if you're a team that's on the rise and maybe it's just you're getting that taste and then you're you're building towards it the Lions are not this young up-and-coming team the Lions have a quarterback who's been there almost a decade Jim Caldwell is not a young up-and-coming coach. Like you, you're a team that should win games like this. Mm-hmm. You're a team that should be 10-6, and 11-5, challenging Green Bay. Look, we saw the Packers on Sunday night. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback, in my opinion, in the world, alongside Tom Brady. Green Bay has flaws. This isn't some team that's impossible to beat. Like The Lions need to take a different attitude, and this game is going to tell me a lot about them. Uh, that all being said... When it comes to picking this game, I'm picking Atlanta until Detroit proves me wrong. And I and I picked Detroit, by the way. Or excuse me, I have not picked Detroit yet this year. Uh, so they, they, they got over on me in week one. I'm picking Atlanta until the, the Lions prove they can beat good teams. I'm going to go against you on this one. I'm going to pick the Lions for the same reason that I picked them the first week. I thought that there was going to be a Matthew Stafford comeback in the fourth quarter because he's just absolutely a surgeon when it comes to that for some reason like that that's a big reason why he got that massive contract is because he's able to do that um granted that was against the cardinals this is the falcons but i just there's something about the lions that i like and until you know it's kind of the opposite what you say until they prove me wrong until matthew stafford fails to come back in that fourth quarter I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go with them. This might be the week, though, because Atlanta, you know, the, the Cardinals were great the first week. It was a cute little comeback story, but the Falcons are a real football team. So I'm gonna be interested in seeing what Matthew Stafford can do against that. But for now, I'm going to uh, go with the Lions. Fair enough. I think it's one of the better games of the week, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. So n- no argument there. And by the way, I, I did some quick fact-checking. Uh, the Lions, indeed, only have one playoff point since 1957. Uh, so we'll, we'll move on from that. Heading back over to the AFC and the Denver Broncos on the road, the undefeated Denver Broncos, minus two and a half, taking on the Buffalo Bills up in Orchard Park, New York. Buffalo coming off of a loss in Carolina, but played well defensively. Just the offense couldn't get the job done, lost nine to three. 
Uh, this game intrigues me. Look, Denver's been one of the surprise teams, for me anyway, to this point. I thought that the Broncos were a 7-9 and nine team, maybe 8-8. Eight and eight. And I'm, I'm ready to move off that a little bit. I think the Broncos are going to have a winning season. I'm not ready quite yet to say that I, I think they're a contender for a Super Bowl. I, I don't think that. Um, but I think the Broncos are, are a good team. And so they go up to Buffalo now. And the, the question for me as far as Denver's concerned is Garrett Bowles, left tackle, seems to be a high ankle sprain. Not sure quite how long he's going to be out yet. But he's going to be out for this game for sure. And their tackles in this game were Donald Stevenson and Menelik Watson. Oh. Can Trevor Simeon? Yeah, that that says it. Can Trevor Simeon continue to play solid football behind a line that, let's face it, right now is not quite up to snuff. The, one of the, one of the things that happened when the Carolina Panthers went fifteen and one was you consistently doubted that Cam Newton was, and you still do doubt that Cam Newton is a good quarterback. Yes. And it was despite the fact that he was putting up all right numbers, and people were kind of getting on his bandwagon. And I feel maybe not to the extent of Cam Newton's hype that year, but I kind of feel a little bit of that about Trevor Simeon right now, just because he's put together two really good weeks. Now people are starting to say, well, maybe this is it. Maybe he figured it out. Maybe he did. I don't know. I, I'm not convinced. That, I guess that's my point. I'm not convinced that he is this good quarterback who can lead this team. Um, the defense, again, is going to be what bails them out. We saw that in, uh, against Dallas. But although Simeon did play very well, I think that was a giant missed opportunity by Dallas. Especially when, you know, when Garrett Bowles goes down, when you're, one of the top tackles for the Broncos goes down, you don't capitalize on that. that. That's frustrating. But maybe that's something to do with how Trevor Simeon is managing the game differently and he's seeing it differently. He still made some pretty, some pretty atrocious throws and decisions, but who knows? Maybe he's getting better. It's going to be a nice test on the road in Buffalo against a team that could have won last week against Carolina and is going to be really, really hungry for just one game maybe this is the game maybe it's further in the in the schedule where McDermott can go hey we beat these guys and these guys are really good every young coach wants that maybe this is the game where he's circling that yeah listen I think Buffalo it's always a tough place to play okay the Bills have not been very good the last couple of decades let's Mm -hmm. be honest but it's a very hard place to go play now it's harder later in the year with that weather but even though we all feel like Buffalo okay what are they really they're they're a bad team the players aren't going to feel like that they're one and one and they're going to say, hey, look, this is a home game here. If we win this game, we get to 2-1. and one. I'll be up front. I'm, I'm picking Denver to win the game. But I think this game is going to be closer than some other people think. I think it's going to be very low scoring. And look, on, on Simeon, I actually give this kid a lot of credit. He was a seventh-round pick. He wasn't even a full-time starter at Northwestern, okay? And this kid comes out and beats out Paxton Lynch two years in a row. You could say, well, Paxton Lynch stinks, and he does, at least at this juncture in his career. But for a seventh-round guy – to beat out the hand-chosen future, the face of the franchise in Lynch. Give Simeon a lot of credit for that. Now, against Dallas, he went 22-32, 231 yards. It was not a crazy impressive game. Dallas, I think it's well known. The secondary is no good. Mm-hmm. I think what everybody looked at was he threw four touchdowns, which yeah. terrific. Good on him. He's leading the league, by the way, with six. I am still of the opinion that Trevor Simeon is a very – mediocre starting quarterback I, I I've watched every snap of both Denver games um he he throws a lot of balls short and they get run after the catch which is fine which if that if you can win games like that it's fine my contention is you're not playing Chargers and the Cowboys defenses every week and when you start to play good defenses here as the year wears on that's not going to fly you're not just going to be able to dunk the ball off to CJ Anderson and watch him outrun three guys for a 30-yard game uh that being said 
give Denver credit. Defensively, they were unbelievable against Dallas. Prescott threw 50 times, 238 yards, just picked twice. Ezekiel Elliott had fewer yards. He did carries, nine carries, eight yards. Great effort by the Broncos' defense. I expect another really good one against Buffalo, a team that frankly doesn't have a lot of weapons. Yeah, if Buffalo had just a little bit more on their roster, um, I think they would have beat Carolina last week. Mm -hmm. And I would be a little bit more convinced that they could play Denver closer. I think that they are still going to come out very hungry, and they're going to try to win this game. Not that, you know, that's kind of, of course, everybody's going to come out and try to win this game, but really kind of make a statement out of it. And so McDermott can kind of have that. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. You know, that's the first notch on the belt for them. That's, you know, hey, we, the, the Broncos came in here. They're a very good team. They're a playoff caliber team. And we beat them. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm taking Denver to win. But again, I think that this is another step in the right direction for Buffalo, who this is basically a lost season for them. Sure. And here they are kind of making these baby steps towards becoming something in the future. So, you know, maybe they don't win this week and this season, you know, we're not going to be so positive about them, but there's a lot to like about Buffalo in the future. And it, for some reason it's starting right now with McDermott and it's not starting next year. Like other franchises would where, Hey, let's, let's get these draft picks and start. Then McDermott's getting a head start. And I think that's going to be important in the future. Yeah, I give McDermott a lot of credit. He's kept the team fighting and playing hard. And defensively, they've looked good. They've looked really good. So give him credit there. And by the way, as a quick aside here, uh, the AFC West right now, mm. that is a division. You got two, three teams, excuse me, three teams that are 2-0. and You got the Chargers who are 0-2, who we'll get to them a little bit later on, but could be, should be 1-1, one and one, okay, and could have taken Denver to overtime in week one. So... That is, uh, that is one hell of a division. I don't think there's any division in the NFL that even touches that division right now. Um, but getting back to the games, Pittsburgh at Chicago seems like a mismatch on paper. Uh, I think the Steelers get back on track in this game. Okay, The Bears are beat up defensively. They have no cornerbacks that can play. The offense is turnover prone. The Steelers, the biggest weakness they have is that secondary, and the Bears can't take advantage of it. Uh, I, think, I think the Bears are in a lot of trouble in this game. And that, that talk about when is Mitchell Trubisky going to get on the field, I think it's only growing louder after this one. Uh, yeah, I think the Mitchell Trubisky thing, I want to touch on that first, just because I feel if John Fox is doing one thing right, maybe I'm alone in thinking this, it's, if he's doing one thing right, it's keeping Trubisky on the sideline. It's putting that fire in his belly. And John Fox is not going to be – this is very existential for John Fox. He's not going to be here to see Mr. Trubisky grow into this franchise quarterback. And maybe he's doing it because he's just a jerk and doesn't want to put Mr. Trubisky out there. But I'm trying to see it in light of Trubisky's on the sideline. He's watching Mike Glennon playing what was essentially a preseason game against the Buccaneers on Sunday. And he's like, I'm better than this guy. I'm going to go in. I'm going to be better than this guy. And you don't give him the ball. Then he goes to the film room, and he's like, oh, you're not going to give me the ball in a game where we're getting blown out? Here, here's like a very detailed you know, resume as to why you should put me in the game. And you're really kind of igniting that fire in his belly to not just go out and be the quarterback for the Bears, but be a very good quarterback for the Bears in the future. Um, again, that's not going to happen against Pittsburgh. I, I'm glad that Trubisky was sta that stayed on the sideline against Tampa Bay. You don't want to throw him in against a very good defense like that, and you really don't want to throw him in, in, in a defense against like, uh, the Steelers. Yeah, I agree with you, though. This is a mismatch. Bears, if they win, it's going to be a miracle. But the Steelers are going to take this one. The only thing I'll say about the Steelers is every year with Mike Tomlin, 
they have some game mm. where they lose an inexcusable, ridiculous road game. Now, I don't think it's going to be this game. I really don't. I think the Bears are going to get hammered pretty good here. I think the only chance the Bears have is to run the ball with, with three Cone and, and Jordan Howard early and often. And that did not happen on Sunday against Tampa Bay. The Bears had 20 rushing yards on 16 attempts. Uh, they were totally shut down. Now, the Buccaneers have a better defense than Pittsburgh does. But uh, I, I just don't see it. Like, Pittsburgh's laying seven and a half. I, I, I think they'll cover the spread in this game. I just think the offense is going to go nuts. Um, but, again, if there's one ray of hope for your Chicago fan, the Steelers every single year lose an absurd game on the road. And while I don't think it'll be this time around, you never think it's going to be this time around until it actually happens. I'm saving my this time around for November 12th when they play the Colts. Book it. That's going to be their loss. They go on the road to Indianapolis. That's the last stand at Chuck Pagano. That could be what, – what, what if the Steelers go to Indianapolis? They win. The whole week leading up to that, it's Pagano's done. Pagano's finished. Ursay's going to fire Pagano after the game. They go out and they beat the Steelers. Contract extension. There you go. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine what the reaction would be in Pittsburgh if Indianapolis beat them. Oh. I know Andrew Luck's probably back at that point, so you're talking about a little bit of a different team, but still, like, that would be incredible. Uh, speaking of a team that frankly needs something incredible to win a game, uh, the Jets, are 0-2, as many predicted, hosting the Miami Dolphins, who are 1-0 coming off of a scintillating win over the Chargers in front of what felt like a home crowd in Carson. Uh, Dolphins favored by six points in this game. Like the Dolphins, they were in California for a week and a half after Hurricane Irma. They were getting ready to play the Chargers. They stayed out there. They practiced out in Oxnard, uh, where the Cowboys have training camp. And the Dolphins escaped with a win. They were down. They were down 17-10. They came back. They kicked three field goals late in the game. Uh, the 54-yarder to win it by Cody Parkey. And Young Ho Koo, the kicker for the Chargers, missed a potential game winner 43 yards out. And so now the Dolphins all of a sudden went from being probably 0-1 to potentially 0-2, or excuse me, to 2-0 here with a pair of road conference wins to get the year started. Yeah, the uh, look, the Jets, it's rough. <laughs> it's, I don't know what to say about that. It's, I'm trying to find something positive to, to look forward to. I love that all the beat writers are just glued to games on Saturdays to try and see who the Jets are going to be uh, who's going to be the Jets quarterback next year. The Dolphins, Jay Cutler, I don't know if they should have won that game. Like you said, you know, the Chargers, they should be 1-1. One one. That, that was a game that the Chargers should have had. I don't, I'm not convinced that the Dolphins won that game. Granted, they get a nice, easy cakewalk against the Jets this week, so it's, it, I don't think we're really going to start figuring things out about Miami until they go and play New Orleans and Tennessee and kind of get past this here. I'll tell you what, you look at their schedule. Now, I know the Dolphins don't have a bye week, as you, you know, your Buccaneers do not either because of the postponement of the week one game. You look at Miami's slate, the Jets, then they technically host the Saints in London, which is a tough break. they got to go to London. Mm -hmm. That really hurts, especially without the bye week. Come home, host Tennessee. At Atlanta, yes, certainly a tough game. Home to the Jets. Uh, at Baltimore, eh, it's a Thursday night game. That's a rough game. But then you come home, you get that long week to get ready for Oakland on a Sunday night. You know, and two of the last three games are against the Bills. So you know, the Dolphins, the Dolphins should be in the mix here for a playoff spot. I'm not saying even that they're a great team or anything, but it seems everybody's discounted Miami. And 
Miami went 10-6 and six and went to the playoffs last year. They beat a lot of bad teams, but they got a lot of bad teams on the schedule this year. If they take care of business against the Jets and the Bills, there's four, mm-hmm. right? They just beat the Chargers. That's fine. So I'm interested to see how things play out. But I think Miami here, an opportunity over the next three weeks, and if you want to see five weeks, including that at Atlanta game, to really get on a roll to start the year out good. Oh, yeah, and they're, you're going to want to get your wins early, too, because you got that game against Tampa later in the season, and then they got, like, two games really late against the Bills. And you know if the, the Bills aren't playing for anything this year. So if the Dolphins are in the position to try to get a playoff spot, going back to the whole McDermott wants to rally the troops, get them some kind of a win this year, knocking the Dolphins out of the playoffs is that kind of thing. That's that late season game where you're not playing for anything. It's a trap game, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, but, yeah, the Dolphins – well, we'll figure out what they are as the season goes on. But their schedule is weird, but that's the kind of thing. You know, Adam Gaze, can he figure it out? That's the thing. Yeah, uh, you know, we'll leave it with this. I know we're both picking the Dolphins mm-hmm. in this game. Uh, I agree with you, though. Miami does want to get its wins early because you start with that makeup game against Tampa at home, and then it's at New England, home to Denver. Okay, home to New England. Ugh. Then you're at Buffalo late in the year, cold weather, and at Kansas City Christmas Eve before finishing up at home to the Bills. I think the Dolphins have a shot to make the playoffs, but they've got to gobble up these wins while they can get them early mm-hmm. on, give themselves a little bit of margin for error. Uh, you don't want to be in a situation where you've got to you know, win four of your last six. I don't know if they can do it against the schedule. But uh, a team to watch for sure. And then two teams that I don't know if you want to watch at all, <laughs> uh, the Browns at the Colts. The Browns are favored by a point on the road, which tells you all you got to know about the Colts. Should have a parade for that in Cleveland. Sean Kaiser has started both games. Of course, rookie at Notre Dame. One touchdown, four picks, and he's still better than anybody not named Andrew Luck in Indianapolis. So, I don't know what to do with this game. I feel like there's nothing to unpack and yet a lot to unpack all simultaneously. Look, Cleveland 0-2, played Pittsburgh tough, then lost a pretty decided game in Baltimore. Indianapolis gets massacred by the Rams and then comes home and, and really – falls apart in the fourth quarter against Arizona, should have won the game. I don't know where to go with this game, uh, other than just that I think it's going to be pretty rough to watch. I the, the, the Browns need to come out and win this game. And I say that not because it's the Colts, but just because this to me this is the start of something for Cleveland. Last week was a bit of a disappointment with the Ravens. I thought that they were going to play them a little bit tougher than they did, but I'm still going back to that Pittsburgh game. Maybe it was just a week one fluke. I hope it wasn't. But the Browns are a very intriguing team to me. I like the defense. I like Kaiser. The offense, Corey Coleman, you know, broken hand. He's going to be a little bit rough. To me, the Browns, they need to come out and they need to win this game. And if they do, I'm going to be convinced that they're starting to turn this around into something. And the Colts, it's, it's rough. <laughs> Jacoby Brissett, good, good luck with that. But the Browns, to me, this is, a, this is a game to be excited about if you're a Browns fan. Not only because it's a chance to actually win a game, but it's a chance to actually look good and see if things are starting to fit in with one another. Who you have in this game? I've got Cleveland. I do too. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't feel great about it. But I, I, you know, I, I think Cleveland's going to win. I think Cleveland's better coached. Mm-hmm. I think Cleveland has better personnel. I know it's a road game, but it's not exactly a big trip from Cleveland to Indy. I, I think I think the Browns are going to find a way to win this game, and uh, you know whoever loses this game, oh, you feel pretty <laughs> bad coming out of it. Let's just let's call it what Ooh. it is. Uh, let's move to an, another game in the one o'clock uh, window if you're Eastern, you know, East Coast time. The Saints at the Panthers. 
Panthers favored by six points. Of course, Panthers coming off uh, an ugly 9-3 win at home over Buffalo. They do move to 2-0, only giving up six points all season. A couple of field goals, obviously. Um, but they lose Greg Olson. And Greg mm-hmm. Olson's out six to eight weeks with a broken foot. He is the linchpin of that offense. And the Panthers have to prove to me they can live without him for a little while here. I, I think it's a big challenge for Cam Newton, who frankly has not been protected well early in the season. He was sacked six times against the Bills. He hasn't looked particularly good since having that offseason shoulder surgery. But this might be the easiest test possible for a, a, a struggling offense because New Orleans, at what point does everybody get fired for the way that defense plays? They are so bad defensively. You're not even talking about a team that gives up you know, 28 a game. They get hammered every single week. Bradford goes out and throws a 346 roll. We know he might have done it on a torn ACL. Mm. And then Brady turns around. And yes, it's Brady. You're at home, home opener. You give up 306 passing yards and three touchdowns in the first half. That's horrible in a game. 447 yards on in, through the air for New England in that game. 555 total yards of offense. I don't know what it's going to take. I really don't. I, I don't know how bad they have to be year in and year out defensively. They've gone through coordinators like nobody's business. Dennis Allen's a coordinator right now. They had, of course, Rob Ryan recently. They had Greg Williams. They, they can't get anything done. They are terrible defensively. And I'll, I'll stop rambling on, but I think for Carolina, this is the right tonic for an offense trying to kind of reinvent itself without Greg Olson. I think it's hilarious that Rob Ryan at one point in time was the reason that the Saints were losing. And then it just turns into something else and something else. We said this on Sunday when we were watching the games. At some point, the Drew Brees, Sean Payton era runs out of gas. I think it's run out of gas already, and it's just rolling down a hill on momentum from that Super Bowl that they won almost a decade ago. That was almost 10 years ago that that happened. That's how much borrowed time. And I said it the other day, uh, the real winner out of this is Dallas because if Sean Payton gets fired during the Bounty Gate thing, he becomes the head coach in Dallas, and I don't even know what that looks like. So Jason Garrett can thank the football gods for that one. As far as this game is concerned, Greg Olson being out is going to hurt big time for this offense. We haven't seen a whole lot of Christian McCaffrey yet. Calvin Benjamin is all right, but he's definitely not being an elite receiver like he should be this year. Losing Greg Olson, who is a big safety net for Cam Newton, I want to see how that plays out. And Cam Cam Newton himself is banged up too. He hurt his ankle because he's not being protected well. How many different times does he have to get banged up before he just says, you know what, Derek Anderson can take this one because I'm, you know, I'm getting beat up bad week in, week out, and he's trying to make plays. And they should have lost that game on Sunday to Buffalo. They should have. Zay Jones should have caught that ball at the goal line. And then you're talking about a completely different narrative heading into this game about how, oh, no, the Panthers, is it all falling apart? Where now we're looking at a scenario where they legitimately start the season 3-0. And then they hit a rough patch in their schedule where they play the Patriots, they play the Lions, the Eagles, the Bears. The Bears is when it starts coming back. But uh, to me, it's kind of like with the Dolphins. Get the wins now and see what happens later. Get the wins now. Get Cam Newton settled in. He, and I don't think he's still back from the surgery that he had this offseason. No. So this is kind of a messy situation in Carolina, but yet here they are gifted with what could very well be and should be a 3-0 start when they beat New Orleans. Yeah, I think I'm picking them to win as well. But, you know, to, to wrap up on this, really, we, we talk about the Panthers. Cam Newton's completed 59.6% of his throws so mm. far this season. Okay, 
Two touchdowns, a pick, 390. Progressive presents today's to-do list for your dog. Check front door, check window, check other window. Rest chin on ground, look into distance. Bark for no reason. Check front door, check window, check other window. Your pet has a very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Chase shiny ball, lose shiny ball, find shiny ball, eat shiny ball. Get coverage for your pets with any auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with a purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. Nine yards in two games. That's against the 49ers and the Bills. Jeez. Like, you're not exactly playing the still curtain here, and they can't move the football. And all I heard all offseason was how great Christian McCaffrey is and how he's going to be this dynamic, unbelievable star. Christian McCaffrey has 21 carries for 57 yards with 2.7 yards in attempt and no touchdowns. He's caught nine passes for 72 yards and no touchdowns. He doesn't have any plays over 20 yards. I'm not saying this to crush the kid. He's a rookie. He's been there two games. My point is the idea that you can just put your hand, your, your offense in the hands of, of a rookie who you're not even sure what his role in the team is yet and just say, well, we're fine now because we have Christian McCaffrey. Well, you're not fine because Cam Newton can't complete passes and without Greg Olson, you're going to rely heavily on Kelvin Benjamin. And look, I think Kelvin Benjamin's a good player, but he's not a great player. Mm-hmm. And there's no other receiver on that team who scares anybody. They, are, they need to run the ball, and they need to run effectively. And right now they're averaging 2.9 yards a carry. Okay? That is brutal. You have no chance averaging 2.9 yards in 10. Right now to me, we talked a little before about Baltimore and how that's a team that's off to Tuno Starp. We're not sure if they can keep it going. That's how I feel about Carolina. I think the defense is great. Six points in two games speaks for itself. I think Carolina's defense is absolutely legitimate. Problem is, just like in Baltimore, I don't know that this offense can score a point. And when they start playing better teams and they have to score 20 points, 23 points, I don't know that they can get it done. But I'm taking them to win this week. I think they'll win. I don't think they'll cover. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got Carolina. But we'll see how that plays out. Staying in the NFC South, Tampa Bay, your Tampa Bay Buccaneers going on the road to take on Minnesota. We don't know what the line's going to be. It hasn't been put out yet, of course. I think Vegas kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with Sam Bradford. Mm-hmm. There's talk that he might be able to play this week. We, we shall see. Uh, I'll let you really have the floor, but your Bucs, they look good in the opener. 29-7, to took care of business against Chicago, played great defense, had a pick six, only gave up 20 rushing yards. Do you believe the defense continues to shut teams down here, starting with Minnesota in week two? I, I would like to think so. Yeah, especially if Case Keenum comes out and plays. That's going to be a situation in which the Vikings aren't going to be. <laughs> I'm not feeling too good if Case Keenum is coming out and my season rests in his hands. Uh, people don't, for some reason, Vikings fans aren't killing him for the game against the Steelers. I would, because it didn't look at all what you want to see. And again, we talked about in the offseason, is there going to be something that happens to the Vikings this year that kind of pushes them off of a cliff like it did last year? And Sam Bradford's health. I didn't it's, – it's, it's, it's not like he got hit and there was some big play, some epicenter of this injury. It's just there. And I think that that maybe is a very bad omen for the Vikings. That you know, your, your quarterback who came out and played really great in the first week somehow just gets injured because he's habitually injured. He is the glass man. Uh, he's always hurt. And it's too bad because Sam Bradford, I think, has some real talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks we've seen in a long time. But he's always hurt. I don't, I'm going to reserve my pick on this game only because I just don't know who the quarterback is. Mm-hmm. If, if, if Case Keenum's – you know, I'll say this. If Keenum's the quarterback, I think the Buccaneers are going to win the game. If Bradford's the quarterback, 
Yeah, I think it's a coin flip. I'll go with the home team. I'll go with Minnesota. But, I, you know, Tampa Bay is a good team. Uh, my biggest concern with Tampa Bay, and we talk about this all the time, if Jameis Winston could stop throwing balls that should be picked off, mm-hmm. I think the Buccaneers have a shot to make some noise in January. The problem is, is Winston has this pent, uh, propensity to just throw balls into coverage. And if he does that against the Vikings, he's going to pay for it because the Vikings have a very good secondary. But if Keenum's there, give me the Bucs. If Minnesota's there, I'll, I'll roll with the home team in a tight game. Yeah, there is some throws that Jameis made against the Bears that should have been intercepted. I counted at least three that should have been picked off by a defense that knew what it was doing, and the Bears just didn't. And my concern about the Bears' offense versus the Buccaneers' defense and making it look so good is it was the Bears' offense. <laughs> it wasn't anything kind. Of, it wasn't anything special. So this is going to be a first big test, I think, for Tampa Bay and their defense going on the road against a team that's going to want to win, that has something to prove, Case Keenum or not. I think the defense against Jameis Winston is going to be a very interesting matchup, but I can't go against the Bucs. They're going to go on the road. They're going to get the win. Well, you guys stick by your team, and they very well might anyway. Uh, Tampa Bay looking to start 2-0 as Atlanta and Carolina already have in the division. Uh, and you know, now we move to an interconference game that I find really interesting, and it's the Seahawks at the Titans. The Titans are favored in this game by 2.5 points. I thought that line was a little surprising. I thought it might be a pick, but uh, the Titans – Laying two and a half. Look, my my whole takeaway on this game, or going into the game anyway, can Seattle block anybody? Can Seattle even try to block in the passing game? They've only allowed six sacks, okay, which isn't great anyway. It's not they're on pace for forty-eight allowed. But Russell Wilson, if it wasn't for the fact that he is the most elusive quarterback in football, they would, honest to God, give up eight to ten sacks a game. I have never seen a line on a good team. That's as bad as the Seattle line. They're worse than the Giants, okay? They're worse than Carolina. They are horrific up front to the point that I can't believe Seattle hasn't invested more into a backup quarterback. I, I, I don't know how they expect Wilson, as mobile as he is, to get through 16 games. Remember last year he got hurt. Mm-hmm. He played through it, but he was hurt. It was that evident. He couldn't really move much. Uh, and you say, well, as long as Wilson get away from it, why worry? Well, the reason you worry is he's completing 56% of his passes, and in two games it's 356 passing yards. Like, they, they have no passing game because everything looks like a schoolyard jailbreak. And, uh, you know, the Titans don't have a great pass rush, but I still think because of that line, they're going to hurry him throughout most of the game. As long as Seattle's offensive line looks as awful as it does – I'm not going to be convinced that they're going to make a deep run in the playoffs because somebody's going to figure it out. I don't do it. I'm not going to say that they're going to miss the playoffs just because the the NFC West. It's they're, they they they'll might win the yeah they'll be a shoe in. Part of me also says Pete Carroll and the Seahawks usually play really really awful mediocre football in September October and then turn the corner and figure it out in November and December and into the playoffs when it starts to matter. Um, but yeah, this. Again, we were talking about statement games earlier with Buffalo. Could you imagine if Tennessee can get this win? It reminds me of when the Buccaneers got the win last year against the Seahawks. They came into Tampa. The, the Bucks held them to five points, and that's a game that a lot of people point to and say, this is when the defense started to become really kind of a thing. This is when the offense started to be gel. This is when we took them seriously. Tennessee needs a win like that because Jameis and, and Mariota, they're kind of being compared, and they're very similar teams as far as their ascension. This could be the game that Tennessee needs kind of rope themselves in and just say, we are a good team. We can beat a playoff caliber Seahawks team. Granted it's in September, 
but we are good enough to compete with a Super Bowl contender. So, you know, that confidence booster through the roof. Well, I think this game tells us more about the Titans anyway than it does the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. We already know what the Seahawks are. They're a great defensive team. They've, they've got a star quarterback, and they struggle otherwise offensively. The Titans, everybody came into this season as, oh, they're an AFC contender. They're one of the teams that can challenge New England. Well, they didn't look like it in week one. They got beat pretty handily by Oakland. Week two, they come out. They win 37-16 against Jacksonville, who, you know, not, not a great team, admittedly, but still a decisive win. Which version are the Titans? Uh, my guess is somewhere in the middle, and I don't think that's enough to beat Seattle. I'm going to take Seattle outright. Uh, you know, I, I think the Seahawks are just going to be very, very tough on Mariota in this game. They can get pressure inside. The Titans have very good tackles. They don't have great interior linemen. Uh, I don't see any way that Corey Davis and Eric Decker are getting open in this game. Uh, you know, Chancellor's going to be down in the box. They're going to be just begging Tennessee to run between the tackles. For me, schematically, it's just not the matchup Tennessee's looking for. I think the Seahawks come out of here with the win. I think the Seahawks come out with a win, too. They might have one of the best defenses in football, and that is going to be something that we see a little bit later on in the season just because they do start slow. But Mariota, this is going to be a big-time baptism by fire for him, and it's going to be interesting to see how he responds to it. But Seattle comes out with the win. In a late game, Kansas City at Los Angeles. Chiefs on the road, but favored by two and a half points. Chiefs coming off a win we talked about a little bit earlier, 27 to 20 over the Eagles. The Chargers, 0 and 2, losing 19-17, missing a last-second field goal to win the game in their home debut at StubHub Center. Um, for me, and, and I'll say, you know, anyone who listens to this probably knows this junk, so I'm a Chiefs fan. Uh, my biggest question for Kansas City is, can they continue to be this explosive offensively? They struggled through much of that Philadelphia game. They gave four sacks. Uh, first half of the game was ugly. And then in the last 18 minutes of the game, the Chiefs exploded for 21 points. And by, you know, with a minute to go, they were up 14 points and the game was over and Philadelphia was tucked away nice and neat. Um, we look at early season stats and should do so with a grain of salt and certainly in this case I'm doing so with a truckload of salt uh, Alex Smith is the fifth most passing yards in the NFL right now he's got five touchdowns and no picks he's averaging almost 10 yards an attempt uh, that seems like something that Alex Smith should not even sniff and yet right now he's doing it Kareem Hunt is leading the NFL in rushing yardage by a wide margin He's got 100 yards more than the guy in eighth place by the name of Todd Gurley. Tyree Kill is fourth in the league in receiving yardage. Uh, and they've played two good teams. They've played one very good team in New England and, of course, Philadelphia, who I think might win the East um, or certainly will be in the conversation. So the Chiefs, to me, most impressive resume through two games. But can they keep it up offensively here going into L.A.? The Chargers intrigue me because they did play their first two games so closely, and they should be, if not 2-0, and at least 1-1. One and one. I think that they could take Denver to overtime, and maybe whatever happens, happens in overtime there. But the Chargers really, really intrigue me. I don't think that they have what it takes to hang with the Chiefs, though, but I go back to the whole when these teams play each other in divisional matchups, it's usually you have to throw a lot out. You have to throw a lot out the window and say, the Chargers, they want to win this game. They're 0-2. They really, really need a win if they want to compete. And they, they could be a playoff team if they do start to turn things around a little bit because they're close. The defense is great. Ingram and Bosa, they have the chance to be two really, really special players on defense for Los Angeles. 
to me, it's the Chiefs. What kind? What version of the Chiefs are we going to see? Are we going to see the version of the Chiefs that come out and just lay waste on offense? And you have Kareem Hunt going nuts. You've got Travis Kelsey, as much as you hate it, dancing around after touchdowns and everything's clicking. Or do we see the Chiefs team like we saw against Tennessee or Jacksonville last year that kind of struggle, that maybe take this game for granted because, oh, hey, it's the Chargers. Of course we're going to win. And then all of a sudden – Boom, you're dealing with a situation where it's late in the game, kind of like with Philadelphia, and you don't know how things are going to shake out because the Chiefs have let it slip away almost because they got, they got too cocky about the matchup that they were facing. So I think that the Chiefs are going to win. I don't think that this is going to be a lopsided victory, though. I mostly agree. I do think the Chiefs are going to win this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was concerned with Philly because of the way they matched up in a lot of ways. Um I don't think the Chargers can deal with Kareem Hunter, Travis Kelsey. Denzel Perryman's out. Okay, I I love the edge rush coming off, you know, with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram for L.A. The problem is the middle of that defense is very soft. And Andy Reid has made a history of just beating teams to death with their own weaknesses. Uh, The Chiefs have beaten the Chargers six times in a row. And the games in San Diego were not even close. They beat them. Well, the last, the last three oh, times. Last three, yeah. Diego, yeah. Like, they beat them there at 34-17 to close out. That was the last game last year. Oh, yeah. Uh, the year before that, uh, the Chiefs beat San- – they beat them oh, – I cannot remember for the life of me. With- oh, they beat them 33-3. to mm-hmm. um, And this is also the first time in a couple of years that the Chargers are going to see Justin Houston. Mm. And the last time they saw Justin Houston, he had five sacks. And – they have not fixed that problem because Joe Barksdale is going against Justin Houston this game. And as good as Philip Rivers is, he is wont to throw picks. And I think in this game, with the Chargers, I think they're going to throw the ball some. I don't think they're going to run for much. Uh, one thing that did surprise me was they only ran for 44 yards against Miami, and they were winning most of the game. Mm-hmm. So they, they abandoned the run game a little bit. Uh, I just think new head coach – Bad offensive line, bad interior of the defense. Those are not things you want to be bad at against Kansas City. I think I think the Chiefs will win this game. And frankly, I think it'll be a pretty good game early. And I think as the game wears on, the Chiefs will, will pull away. I agree. The Chiefs are going to take this. There's, there's no way. Um, yeah, then you get to another game where you're probably going to say no way. <laughs> uh, the Bengals at the Packers, uh, Lambeau Field, eight and a half points. The Packers are laying. I got to be honest, I'm shocked the line's not higher than that. The Bengals are the first team in NFL history since 1939 to not score a touchdown in each of their first two home games. The Bengals then fired Ken Zampezi, their offensive coordinator. They replaced him with quarterbacks coach Bill Lazor. Uh, to me, that's like putting a band aid on the Titanic. I, I don't think it matters. I think at this point, if you read uh, Stack in the Box, the column that goes out every Monday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, my lead was the Bengals. And I think, you know, we make fun of Marvin Lewis a lot. I know I do. But Marvin Lewis deserves a lot of credit. He took that team over in 2003 when they... At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. Wait, every time you wake up is the same day? That's terrible. Eh, don't worry, I call Progressive. Their 24-7 protection still works, even if my day does last forever. Yeah, but don't you want it to end? Are you kidding? I win the lottery whenever I want and never regret anything. It's the best. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. They stunk. And I mean stunk. Like, they they were what the Browns are now, okay? The laughing stock of the league, the bungles, all that. They hadn't had a winning season in well over a decade. And Marvin Lewis came in, and they drafted Carson Palmer, and they resurrected that franchise. The problem is... He's been there now. This is 16th year at the helm, and they're not going anywhere. They're going backwards, if anything. They haven't won a playoff game in his tenure, and at some point here, you have to just cut bait. They could cut Andy Dalton at the end of the year if they want without really much of a cap penalty. We'll see if, if that deserves warranting at the end of the year. But for me, I think, I think the Bengals have just flat-out run their course. They need a new roster. They need a new voice in that locker room. They're not going to get one until the end of the year. The Bengals have Lewis in a lame duck situation. His contract's up after this year. I think he's gone. I think even as patient as Mike Brown is, I think he's gone. Um, but after the way the Packers were in Paris on Sunday night, I do not see any way Cincinnati goes in and wins this game. i, I got to be honest. It would be the upset of the year, in my opinion, if Cincinnati went in and won this game. Yeah, Green Bay is going to take this game, and there's, you know, like you said, there's really not much more to say about it other than the Bengals have run, it's run their course. Okay, it was a nice run. They had plenty of opportunities to win in the first round of the playoffs. They weren't able to do it. Now, what's next? Let's move on to what's next in the Bengals' future. But it's going to be, I think, we're going to be having more of the same conversation come next Monday. Where, what's wrong with the Bengals? Is this going to get fixed? And how long does Marvin Lewis have left? Because there's no way that they beat the Packers. It's just, at the end of the day, Andy Dalton's not going into Lambeau and beating mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, okay? It's just, the Bengals are a team right now that simply needs to just blow it up and start over. And so, I'm taking the Packers not only to win, but to easily cover the eight and a half. I would not be surprised if this is a game where you see something like 30-6, to, to 30-13 to 13 maybe. Uh, I, I think the Packers will certainly handle their business in this game and get to two and one. And the Bengals, by the end of that day, are going to be below Cleveland in the standings. Uh, we'll get to the Sunday night game. Interesting game. Uh, Raiders at Redskins. Raiders uh, favored by field goal. Uh, I think the Raiders, they've looked terrific so far. They went and they beat Tennessee. Only gave up 16 points in the game. Came home. Defense was shaky against the Jets. Gave up 20 points, which against the Jets really is like giving up 40 to anybody else. Uh, but the Raiders scored 45. And so, you know, like what I see out of them, Derek Carr, he's been economical, nothing crazy, but he's been good. Um, I'm curious now with the defense. It's played better than it played last year. Hard to play much worse. Can that continue against a Redskins offense that is fairly potent and that should be jacked up in prime time? I was really impressed with what I saw out of Washington last week against the Rams. And I'm going to be interested in seeing how that matches up against a Raiders team that is coming off of a very you know, great win. I guess there's really no other way to say it against the Jets, but it is what it is. The Raiders, I don't, if they go on Sunday night football and they lose to the Redskins, that, the optics of that is not, they're not good because there's already questions about the Raiders' defense. I know we've talked about it plenty of times here, but if they go on national television and they let Kirk Cousins drag them out, or even play them close. I think that that's going to almost undo some of the things that the Raiders have been able to build up 
because there's still this narrative of, and it is interesting and valid, of what happens to the Raiders if Derek Carr doesn't get hurt at the end of last season. How far into the playoffs do they go? And we're all the way back to where we were. It's almost like that conversation was paused, and then we hit play at the start of this season because I'm seeing and reading all over the place. Oh, the Raiders, are they going to be the team that takes out the Patriots? How well do they match up against New England? That AFC Championship game, we're really looking forward to it. And we're in week three. I need to see how the Raiders go out and play on a national stage against a, a Redskins team that bounced back. They look good. They're going to be competing. They see that there's an opportunity in the NFC East. The Giants aren't that great. The Eagles are all right. The Cowboys took a step back. There's an opportunity for the Redskins to do something. And doing it against a team that everybody is considering Patriots killers in some way, that's going to be big for Washington. Yeah, I was impressed with the Redskins in L.A. Uh, I picked them to lose. They, they proved me wrong. They, they did a nice job. They won. I think for the Redskins, they're going to have to run the ball in this game. Mm-hmm. Cousins has not been great to this point by any stretch. I only threw for a buck seventy-nine to touch against uh, the Rams. But the Redskins ran for 229 yards, mm-hmm. 5.9 yards per carry against the Rams. They, they really ran the ball down their throats when they had to in that game. The Redskins are going to have to do that against the Raiders. So far... Uh, you know, Tennessee ran for 4.5 yards of carry against the Raiders. The problem was Malarkey got away from it, and they just stopped running the football. Uh, and then the Jets, look, it, the Jets were, were down quickly, and, and the Jets, frankly, just don't have the, the personnel to do much offensively. It's an intriguing game to me. The Redskins, if they win this game 2-1, and one, right in the race. Uh, if they lose this game, 1-2 and two going to Arrowhead on a Monday night to play the Chiefs. And... I think that plays a little bit of a factor in this too. You know, players are saying, well, we don't, you know, we just look at the next game. Believe me, the Redskins know that their game after this is a Monday night or at Arrowhead. And, you know, I think it's a home game right now against the Raiders, prime time, got to find a way to win it. Can they get the job done? I personally think it's going to be very good. I think it'll be a close game. Uh, I am going to take the Raiders out to win the game. I think the Raiders are going to find a way to get the job done, but I wouldn't be shocked if Washington's able to pull it off. I think it's going to be close, but I think that the Raiders are going to, they're going to pull it out in the end. But I feel like Washington will – they won't hang their heads too low after this game. I think they're going to play Oakland close enough that it gives them a little bit of confidence moving forward. Final game of the week. Dallas minus 3.5 at Arizona. Uh, I think this game can be summed up pretty easily the Cowboys need to pick themselves up off the deck after what was a horrendous game at Denver and you could point to a litany of issues uh, I know Peter King on the MMQB wrote a really thoughtful piece on Ezekiel Elliott and how he basically quit in that game there was film of him in the third quarter uh, Chris Harris made an interception and Ezekiel Elliott just stood there hands on hips could have made a play didn't even try to uh, we'll see if he gets disciplined for it um, you know King really wanted that to happen it would be wise for Ezekiel Elliott to show up in this game and, you know, try. Uh, the Cowboys look disinterested from the jump in Denver. I don't know what was going on. Not to any away from the Broncos. They, they hammered Dallas, but the Cowboys looked atrocious in that game. And now they're going to play a team that I think, frankly, is dead on arrival. Uh, I, I don't think the Cardinals have anything in the tank. David Johnson's out for what basically is the year – Palmer has been awful. He already has four interceptions. I, I think if the Cowboys show up and play decently in this game, they're going to run away with it. But the question is, will they show up? Because after week two, I have some concerns. Yeah. 
the Cowboys, I kind of expected this. I didn't think that they were going to roll through the NFC like they did last year. Everybody was really high on them just because they seemed to do no wrong. They went into Lambeau and they won. They were able to beat really good teams, and then they ran into the Giants, and it, it, it kind of got exposed a little bit. But this is, that was kind of the Cowboys in a nutshell. If Zeke Elliott can't get going, what does this offense look like? And it didn't look good. Dak was making mistakes. He was rushing throws. His decision-making wasn't great. Elliott, you could say he gave up, whatever. But like everything about that, to me, just seemed like Dallas wasn't really ready for what, what, what the, the Broncos were going to have on defense. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't think Cowboys fans should freak out. This isn't the end of the world. Nobody ever won the Super Bowl in Week 2. Nobody's season ever ended in Week 2. They're still, you know, they play in Week 3, they play in Week 4. You're going to be fine. And the Cowboys are going to figure this out. It's September, Okay. If you want Dak Prescott to have bad games, and if you want Zeke Elliott to quit or whatever and get it out of his system, do it in September. Do it in October. So then when it comes time, December, January, and the games really matter, you can go, remember when you quit back in September? Remember when everybody said all these things about you after that game in Denver? Dig back into that. Tap into that and go out and prove them wrong. And speaking of proving them wrong, I think Albert Breer tweeted this out on Monday morning, but he, he mentioned something about how – Zeke Elliott was questioned. His, his competitiveness was questioned at Ohio State one week, and I think the next week they played Michigan, and he went out and ran for like a billion yards or something like that. So I'm interested in seeing what they do against a Cardinals team that is, does not look good. That, I mean, when you let Indianapolis drag you to overtime and then you barely win, oof, we talk about when is the Sean Payton-Drew Brees era going to be over. I hate to say it, but Bruce Arians, mm. It's not looking good. I, I gotta tell you, I think I think the Cardinals. This is uh, this is the last gasp for a team that I think is just done. Palmer's done, and I think the biggest thing that hurts them is they wanted to draft the quarterback in the first round, mm-hmm. and they were sitting 13th, and they let the Chiefs and the Texans jump them. Trubisky went too quickly. Kaiser wasn't worth the first round pick, and now you're sitting there with what future? You have no quarterback. Palmer is, is washed. I, I don't care. It's only two weeks. I'm willing, I, he was bad last year. Mm-hmm. He never recovered from that NFC Championship game in Carolina. Uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's done and over with. And Fitzgerald likely to retire after this year. And you know, Bruce Aarons, hopefully the guy's okay, but he's had some health problems in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he just says, you know what, I'm not looking to rebuild. I'm not going through five years of rebuilding. I think he's a really good head coach. I really do. Uh, I think that Ross has been allowed to erode for a while. Don't forget in this offseason, they lost Alex Okafor and yeah. Calais Campbell yeah. and Keith Minter and Tony Jefferson. I mean, do the Cardinals not want to win? Do they? I don't know. How do you let all those guys walk? And they did nothing to replace them. And so the defense is clearly worse. The offense without David Johnson, forget it. Uh, I, I thought the Cardinals going to the year might be a playoff team. And I, I'm free to admit that I think that's, uh, that's not going to be the case. They, they're not good. So I'm taking the Cowboys to win. Uh, I assume you are as well. Yeah, Cowboys to win. I think the future is bright for the Cardinals as far as the rebuild that's going to happen. I think maybe Arians, he was always going to be a guy that exited on his own terms. He was never going to get fired. Um, I think this is going to be one of those things where they mutually part ways, not in like a Jim Harbaugh mutually part ways, but like they actually mutually part ways to the point where maybe he stays on as like a Tom Coughlin consultant to kind of groom the next quarterback that comes in, mentor the next head coach that comes in. So I wouldn't be too down if I was a Cardinals fan. Yeah, it's not a good year. It's going to be a lost year. But there are pieces in place in defense. 
David Johnson's going to come back at some point. The future is going to be bright. Right now, don't don't dog too hard, but the Cowboys, I think this is the that this is exactly the game that they need to bounce back from that Denver loss. Well, it's going to be an interesting week three. I think there's a lot of good games. There's a lot of intriguing games. We talked about the Lions and Falcons. I find that one to be really interesting. Uh, I, I think it'll be interesting with the Chiefs and the Chargers from the standpoint. It's a good rivalry. And can the Chargers get a win? Because, mm. boy, do they need one. If they're going to make any kind of hay in the AFC this year, uh, they, they cannot go 0-3. I think it's a tall order. Sunday night game, really interesting game. Looking forward to the Raiders and the Redskins. Uh, Giants and Eagles should be a fun game. Buccaneers and Vikings, I'm curious, especially if Bradford's playing, uh, how that's going to go. They say he has a bone bruise. They're going to give him an injection and see how he responds. Uh, there's, there's a lot of good games this week. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, Titans and Seahawks as well. Uh, interesting to see how it all plays out. Uh, do you have any dying on this hill prediction you'd like to get to? Uh, well, I mean, we kind of touched on it, but the Cardinals, I think that the Cardinals are not – they're not going to be what we thought that they were going to be this year. And I think through two weeks, that's very apparent. And the hill that I would die on is to say that I would not be surprised if at some point they tried to give some other quarterbacks a look just because Carson Palmer, he, he looks bad. And I think if Bruce Arian wants to try to ride this out, he's going to have to find a creative way to do it. And Carson Palmer, it was a nice little late career revival. It was really nice. And he's, I think he, he tacked on a nice little coda to his career which just started looking like it was going to be a lost thing after the Cincinnati years and then those lost yeah. Oakland years. Yeah. It, it was a nice run. But I think the dying on my, on my hill that we're going to do this week is more of – I think we should appreciate the Cardinals for what they were. We like the dog teams that they're, they're the end of an era. It's the end of the dynasty. We like to make fun of them. We like to get you know, harp on them all. Can't believe you missed this opportunity. It was kind of a little special team that they had. For a couple of years, that would, they were fun to watch. So let's maybe in this last little gasp that they have, maybe remember those good years that the Cardinals had. And remember that there are pieces in place that they're going to be good in the future. But this year, mm, not so much. Oh, well, well put. I, I agree and concur. Um, last, last word for you. Uh, who's, who's the most impressive team for you through the first two weeks of the season? Ooh. Through the first two weeks of the season, I have to say I was impressed with the way that Atlanta pivoted after the first week that they had against Chicago. A lot of people got on Sarkeesian, myself included, saying maybe this isn't what everybody thought they were signing up for. Is he going to be able to figure out what Kyle Shanahan was doing? Can he utilize these weapons? They play a close game against the Bears. It's easy to get them. Then they go out and they play that game against Green Bay. And I think Super Bowl hangover, that ended on Sunday night. This is a team, they're past that. They let Green Bay come in, who you said Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks ever, probably the best next to Brady, if not better. And they, it was a shelling. I mean, if Progressive presents today's to-do list for your cat. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get food. Walk away from food. Move to couch. See human. Give cold shoulder. Take a nap. Meow till I get your food. Your pet has a very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Move to couch. Aggressively clean myself. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get coverage get for your pets with anti-auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with the purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. You want to talk about Blake Bortles getting garbage time. Aaron Rodgers, you could argue that there was a lot of garbage time. Oh, there sure was. That made that score look a lot closer than it was. So, to me, the most impressive team, I would say, is the, uh, with the, the Atlanta Falcons. What about you? 
Uh, I'll, I'll wrap up with this. I, I think it's uh, – I'll, I'll kind of skirt the question a little bit and say I think Atlanta in the NFC and Kansas City in the AFC. I mm-hmm. think – and, I, and I, I only skirt the question a little bit to get to a larger point is that I think – I was thinking about this a lot Sunday night while I was watching the Falcons eviscerate Green Bay. I think those are the two most complete rosters in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I think they're the two best teams. It doesn't mean I think one of the two of them has got to win the Super Bowl. But I think those – two teams it's you're hard pressed to find the big weakness on either of them they, they both have good offenses of course Atlanta with, with a better offense more but Kansas City averaging 34 and a half points a game right now I don't expect it to quite stay that high but it's an offense clearly that has three guys who can beat you in, in a multitude of ways the Falcons we know what their offense can do defensively I think the Falcons are a little underrated they're a very fast team they have players at all three levels the Chiefs, even with the loss of Eric Berry, you've got all pros at all three levels of that defense if Chris Jones is who I think he's going to be. And he had three sacks, two forced fumbles, and a pick against Philadelphia. And that's a good line. Justin Houston already gets three sacks in two games. He looks totally back and healthy. And Marcus Peters, of course, we know what he is. So I think Kansas City and Atlanta are the two teams right now that if you said to me, who's got the fewest weaknesses? Them. Does that mean that Kansas City's going to the Super Bowl? Tough to say. Pittsburgh's going to be there. New England's going to be there. Maybe Oakland's there. Atlanta's got plenty of competition in the NFC with Green Bay, with Dallas, with Seattle, you know, and maybe even a, a, a team that we don't see coming. Maybe Tampa Bay. Maybe a team like that. Maybe even Philly. Um, there's a lot of competition at the top in the NFL this year. Uh, it's a top-heavy league. But to my eye, the Chiefs and the Falcons are the two most complete teams in the NFL going into week three and that will wrap us up here on stacking the box went all along this week uh hour and 17 minutes so you're welcome hopefully you have an hour and 17 minute commute well actually hopefully you don't that's awful hopefully it's like a half an hour and you can split it up between a few uh few trips to work there and back but in any event listen thank you so much for listening uh can't tell you how much i and we appreciate it uh the the support for the podcast really has been terrific um, both from friends and from strangers who have, who have become friends. So I really appreciate it. If you could go to iTunes, if you're just listening for the first time, please go and subscribe. It means the world. Please rank it. Um, now, I always say, if, you know, if you're going to rank it, give it five stars. If, if you think it's terrible, then don't rank it. Don't be that person. Um, but really, again, really appreciate you taking time out of your week to listen to a little bit of ours. And so uh, I hope everybody enjoys the Monday night game. And then week three, we'll, of course, be back next Monday to talk about everything going on in the NFL. So for Josh Hill, I am Matt Verderam. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick 'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code radio and underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100, get $100 free. That's promo code radio. Terms and conditions apply.